Well, um, long time coming. <laughs> it's been uh, quite a while, man. It's been a long time. It's yeah. been since summer, since I did one by myself because you weren't here. I think you were on vacation or something when something. I did that one by myself. But it's been a very long time since we've done one together. And uh, man, I'm pretty excited to be back doing this. This is uh, this is a whole lot of fun. So, whoops. If you don't know, um, this is the Plugged In Podcast. It's an extension of Harvest Student Ministries. Um, my name is Stephen. I'm the student pastor at Harvest. And uh, this guy sitting across my desk from me is Mike Stavanja. Hey, that's me. Hey, Mike. What's up? <laughs> uh, Mike uh, is on staff here at the church and uh, uh, came through the youth group. Has gosh, you've been at Harvest for basically very, very since you were conceived. Yeah, pretty. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's one way to put it. <laughs> you've been here for a long time, man. Yeah, I've been here um, a while. So uh, it's cool to be back doing this. We like to talk about kind of stuff that we talk about on Sunday nights, and we just kind of rehash messages and uh, maybe some stuff that we didn't talk about on Sunday nights and some stuff that we want to revisit. Um, and it's just a whole lot of fun, man, to be able to open this up. So we're going to go backwards a little ways. Um, we've got a new two-week series starting that started last Sunday. Um, and then we're going to take a little break for the holiday season and all that kind of stuff. But I want to go backwards to uh, the beginning of the last series that we did, which was um, The End of Me. And really, this whole thing spawns out of a book. It's called The End of Me uh, by Kyle Ottoman. And if you don't know who Kyle Ottoman is, uh, then I really suggest going to check him out. He is uh, the lead pastor at a little church in Kentucky called Southeast Christian Church. And he writes some pretty sweet books and this is one that I've had for a long time, and I broke it back out after vacation and um, started reading it on a plane ride back from Miami, and man, just got completely wrecked by it, and I knew that this is this is something that everybody else needed to hear as well. Um, it had a big impact on me, and just how I see myself, how I see the world, how I see Jesus, and how I see my sin, and uh, it was really cool. So that's kind of where we're going. We're going backwards to the beginning of... Um, this end of me series that we did talking about the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter five. So if you're listening along, maybe you're at home and you're checking this out, um, go ahead and crack your Bible open. Matthew chapter five, uh, Matthew chapter five, verse three. Whoops. And I'll go ahead and read that to you. It is uh, blessed are the poor in spirit for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Super simple verse, but really kind of out there. I mean, as far as teachings go, like it's, that is totally against what you might think. Like you hear that word poor and like immediately your brain associates it with something. You immediately associate that with something. And most of the time that's a negative thing. Yeah. And so like blessed are the poor in spirit doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but that's kind of, the MO of this whole passage is Jesus is just like, all right, I'm going to take everything you, that you've learned or you think you've learned or you think you know, and I'm just going to kind of flip it upside down. And um, he uses these things that we call paradoxes. Um, and I had a wonderful challenge from one of our incredible students here at Harvest 
who graciously came up to me after the first time that I used the word paradox and said, that's not a paradox, that's an oxymoron. And I said, you're an oxymoron and you're wrong. Mm Um, because this is more than just an oxymoron. An oxymoron is just something that contradicts itself, but a paradox is something that contradicts itself, but at the same time, through um, trial and through evidence, proves itself to be true. And I think that's the very stark difference in a paradox and an oxymoron. I'm not a grammar scholar, but I know that that's what the Bible is talking about here, is this is a paradox and it's something that over time has been proven to be true. And that's kind of what we want to do with this whole thing, is break it down and talk about it. So, where to begin? Blessed are the poor in the Spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, in the first chapter of this book, there's a really cool story about um, this landfill, this whole little village that is uh, in a landfill. And I'm trying to remember where it is. Paraguay. Paraguay, and it is a, something, it, it's a landfill, basically, where people dump their trash. And this community is known for having um, an orchestra. And it's kind of confusing, right? It's like, this is a landfill where people live, where people dump their trash, and they're known for an amazing orchestra. It doesn't make any sense. But what they've done is they, this guy, his name is Fabio Chavez, and he came in, yeah, sick name. <laughs> He came in and he like found these instruments or found these pieces of trash and turned them in, into instruments. And now they have like this landfill harmonic is what they call it. That's Look it up really on YouTube, cool. dude. It's so That's sick. really cool. So sick. So they turned all this trash into instruments and uh, it, it's pretty awesome. And you can really get caught in the YouTube rabbit hole of watching um, landfill harmonic videos. But it's so cool. Like these people who have nothing, they are in the middle of one of the worst circumstances that you could find yourself in as far as living conditions go, and boom, they come up with something beautiful out of it. And I think it's so cool, man. Um, And that's kind of where this story leads us into um, where we're going with this passage of Scripture. And as we look at this, um, blessed are the poor in the Spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So essentially, Jesus is saying, um, the more bankrupt you are in your life, the not physically, monetarily bankrupt, but the more um, the more downtrodden you are, big word, downtrodden you are, um, in spirit, the more seemingly sad is how I kind of see it, but the more like oppressed and pressed down you are, the more blessed you are. And because you're poor in spirit, you're promised the kingdom of heaven. And that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, uh, but Jesus isn't just talking about like, tangible things or rules or laws when he approaches this he, he's really going beneath the surface of life and i think it's so cool um to just kind of press into what jesus is saying um to his disciples when he's teaching this sermon on the mount so as we read this passage like first glance rapid fire like what what does this speak to you mike uh i think it's it's something a little different than when uh, he's talking about uh, like spiritual treasure. It's something different than like uh, in, in Matthew six, he says uh, for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And it's talking about, um, you know, storing up treasure in heaven rather than treasure on earth. I think this is something different, right? Being poor in that sense. I think it's more kind of like, 
an emptying of yourself, like a condition mm. of your Ooh. of your person rather than like your financial status kind of poor. You yeah, know? I like that word. Yeah. Condition. Yeah. I like that. And I, you're absolutely right. So the word that we kind of used um, when we started this series to describe kind of that human condition is broken, the word broken. Yep. And I think that's a pretty relatable thing um, for most people. There has been a time in your life where you've been completely broken, um, where you just got nothing left, man. Um, whether it's a tragic death or change of circumstance or plans not working out the way that they should, I think at some point everybody can relate to being broken. But there's a beautiful promise in that too. Just like that, uh, that village that's in a landfill, just like something beautiful came out of that. There's beauty in our brokenness. And I know that sounds super cliche and Christianese, but like it's so true. Like the Bible literally says that Jesus will bring beauty from the ashes, he will bring life from death. And that's kind of where we're at with this. When we talk about brokenness, it's like, yeah, there's beauty in your brokenness because unless you're broken, you can't be made whole again. And I was just having a conversation with somebody and talking about this, and one of the things that we said is that you don't have to break yourself. Um, You don't have to depend on a sermon to break you. You don't have to depend on an emotional response or a song or a circumstance or anything like that to break you, because that's just, like you said, your condition. Like, you're just broken. Mm -hmm. And we see that everywhere. Like, brokenness is a theme in this world. Like, if you could sum it all up and break it down and you could put like the subtitle over the 21st century culture, I'm pretty sure one of those subtitles would be broken. Um, it, it's hundred percent. Yeah. It, it, the world we live in is just messed up, man. And that's like super depressing, right? <laughs> like yeah. it's so sad. It's like, Oh man, we live in a broken world and we we're just broken people. Wah, poor pitiful me. I mean, like, everybody would agree with you, though. Nobody's going to say things are just right. Yeah. Like, you see injustice everywhere. You see hurting people everywhere. Even people that completely disagree with our worldview. Oh, yeah. They'll agree? Yeah, they'll agree agree. that the world is broken. The system system is broken. To put it in my most, like, early 2000s emo (laughs) stage, the system is broken. Uh, But... I think there's some some beauty in that because, um, you know, if we're talking about people with different worldviews and how they see brokenness in this world, people with another worldview, they don't have any hope to fix the brokenness. Yeah. And that's a sad thing. Like, that's a sad truth. But we, as followers of Jesus, we know that there is hope in the brokenness. There is beauty in the brokenness. There is beauty for ashes. And that's really what Jesus is speaking into here. Matthew chapter five, verse three, when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who are broken when they got nothing left to give. They're just broken down completely. Those people are promised the most beautiful and rich kingdom in all of creation. Like what? That doesn't even make sense. Like you think about these people who are so broken and you think about the circumstances of this world and even in your life in those most broken moments, do you think that you would be getting 
the most beautiful promise in the world? Absolutely not. You're not going to be laid up in a mansion and walking on streets of gold when your life is broken. It doesn't make sense, but Jesus is equating those two things together. Because you're broken, there is a promise of something beautiful. And I think that's awesome, man. And I think uh, we really find a, a beautiful picture of that in Luke chapter 7. And this is where we spent most of our time um, on that Sunday night where we started talking about brokenness. Um, started talking about this passage of Scripture. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, if you want to look it up, it's Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. Um, it's this awesome story where we get this guy, and he's coming in. Um, he's a Pharisee. And he sits down, and he doesn't do any of the things that he's supposed to do. He doesn't wash Jesus' feet. He doesn't um, do any of the things that you're supposed to do. Like, there's a handbook on how you're supposed to treat esteemed guests in your home, and he follows none of the rules. And so he's sitting there arrogantly at the head of the table, staring down at Jesus. Then all of a sudden, this woman comes in. On the other end of the spectrum, you've got a Pharisee, and you've got a prostitute. And this prostitute comes in. And she sees Jesus and knows the teachings that he's been that he's been saying and, and knows the life that he offers. And in this moment, she locks eyes with Jesus and she walks in the room and she begins to cry. And not just a cry, like she begins to weep and she falls at Jesus' feet. And she's just in total awe and reverence of Jesus and this rabbi, this Messiah who's come to save her and give her new life. And she knows right then she's a sinner. She's a sinner and she's just broken. She knows that her condition is broken. And in that moment, she needs a savior. And the only savior is the guy sitting there at the table. So what does she do? She cries. She washes his feet, dries his feet with her hair. And then she takes the bottle of perfume that she carries around and she dumps the whole thing out on his feet, just as a sign of respect and a sign of uh, submission, really. And I think like that's an interesting thing, too. Like When we talk about brokenness, we have to talk about submission because if you're broken and you don't submit, how do you expect to be put back together? Like, how do those two things go hand in hand? Like, how do you see that? I mean, if you if you think about it in like worldly terms and like the regime of a government, like when is it going to be? When is it going to have the most power over its people? When its people are broken, right? Mm, yeah. So uh, I I think about it in the same way, like. Your your brokenness in spirit um, is when you'll is when you'll give yourself entirely over to either Christ or or the world, and I think that's uh, that's I think where Jesus would call you to repentance. You know, that's a salvation moment. Uh, maybe that's the the reason why it's the first of the Beatitudes because in that brokenness and that poorness of spirit. That's where you gain the kingdom of heaven uh, by submission mm. to Christ. Yeah, so the two kind of go hand in hand. It's like you have to sub- like you have to you are broken and that's your condition. Yeah. But in order to have that brokenness mended because you can't do it on your own. Absolutely. In order to have that mended, you have to submit to the power of Jesus. And that's so cool that you like equated that to government. My mind like immediately went to <laughs> 9 11 yeah. and thinking about like what happened in our country. Yeah. September 11th, 2001, boom, the planes crashed into the World Trade Center. 
thousands of people, tens of thousands of people ultimately lose their lives that day. And in that moment, our country was broken, but we rallied and like really came together as the United States of America. And we went out and we kicked some butt, man. Mm -hmm. And, you know, George Bush went out and threw the first pitch at a baseball game and people were chanting USA. And it's like this unification that happens when you have a bunch of broken people and they submit to this idea of, all right, we're broken right now, but we need to be made whole. And there's only one thing that can make us whole, and that's the powers that be. And if we're broken spiritually, we have to submit to the powers that be. And those powers are holy powers. They are the power that created the entire universe. And that's so cool that that's what we submit to. But it's not a harsh, judgmental, when you're broken, you come to the potter to put you back together. And it's not like, how dare you? It's like, I love you. And I want to put these pieces back together because I love you so, so much. Um, I think, like I said earlier, there's nothing that can break you. We have to come to terms with our condition of being broken. Um, and I think our job with our brokenness is to be in a constant realization of brokenness. And it's not like a one-time experience where you know you're broken and then boom, all the pieces are put back together and you're never broken again. I think brokenness is something that you deal with your whole life. Dude, I'm reading, I'm reading this book right now. It's called, it's, it's by a 19th century, I guess, philosopher, Christian philosopher named Soren Kierkegaard. He's pretty, I mean, some people might know him. But uh, it's called The Sickness Unto Death, and it is about that exact thing. And, and it calls it despair. It's the despair is the sickness unto death. And it's when you are trying to be some, like, self that you're not. Like, you want to be better than you are. Mm -hmm. But the, the, the key to getting rid of despair, this despair that you have your entire life that you're stuck with, this brokenness, is to die to yourself and to give yourself wholly over to Christ. That's mm. the entire point of the book. That's it's, crazy. It's, it's really analyzing, getting into that. It's a very similar concept to what you just said. I think yeah, you put it really well. It's like the the lifelong thing that we live with. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't get rid of it. Like, you're always going to be battling mm -hmm. the flesh and seeking, you know, our ultimate goal is to be glorified at the end of our lives, to, to meet Jesus face to face, and he say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And you're being sanctified your whole life as a process of being um, made more like Jesus each and every day. Not on your own power, not on, it, on anything you can do, but solely because of Him and who He is and what He does in your life. And that sanctification process, yeah, we're going to fight this sickness our whole lives, this yep. despair that we're in. Ultimately, we're condemned to death because of our sin. Yep. But we have a Savior and that Savior is constantly drawing us and pulling us closer into Him. Um, that's really cool. Like, that was such yeah. a cool concept. Like, yeah. wow. I, it kind of so blows true, my mind. Right? Like, the more that you study Scripture, the, and the more you come to terms with the human condition, the fact that we are inherently sinful, that we're inherently wicked, you know, 
you're you're bound to the flesh your whole life. The more the more you study scripture, you just know you just know that you're broken your whole life, and that you need somebody to mend you together. Right. It just it it's kind of it's self evident, especially when reading passages like this. Yeah, and it's that thing that like always brings you back, right? I think brokenness is something that really is a sobering thing. Um, the way I put it in, in the notes here is that brokenness is a grounding thing. It grounds me every single day. So every time that I start to have like doubts or questions or like I, I found myself doing this just a, a couple weeks ago, like I start praying a prayer and I'm like, is this going anywhere? Like, is anybody hearing me? Am I, am I just completely fooled and I'm just standing here and I'm, I'm praying this prayer for no reason. But then I go back to my condition, right? I go back to scripture and I go back to what I know the truth is. And the truth tells me that my condition is death. My condition is despair. I'm going to live in the flesh and I'm broken. That's my condition. But I also know that there's an opportunity for salvation through that. There's redemption through that. And I know that even in the midst of those questions and those doubts and all the things that I've got going on in my own head, I know that at the end of it, I serve a Savior who redeemed me from that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the whole story of Scripture, right? Yeah. We see it from the very beginning. Beautiful creation, perfect sin, captivity, people messing up, people falling, God redeeming, people messing up, people falling, God redeeming. And then ultimately, we get the perfect sacrifice in Jesus. And now we all have access to that redemptive power of Jesus and his blood. That's so cool, man. Like, I I know that my brokenness in the midst of everything that I've got going on, as weird as it sounds, that's the thing that lets me know that God is real in my life. Because without him, I'd just be a broken mess. Yeah, you're just broken. Yeah. There's... Nothing to put you back together. There's no, like, there's no person or thing or power putting you back together. And, like, I want to challenge, like, anybody who's listening, I want to challenge you. Like, if you struggle like I do with questions and doubts, and you've got these times in your life where you're really struggling with that, just know, like, brokenness isn't just brokenness to be broken. Brokenness is brokenness to be restored. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're not just broken to stay broken. You're broken to be fixed and to be restored and brought back to life. Yep. So cool. I think our our brokenness is often like evidence of the power of God. I think that's the thing that really shines through in all of this. And uh, if you go back, I've been saying uh, a potter putting the, the clay back together. And that's really... It's, it's straight from Scripture, and the Lord speaks to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 18. Um, and as I'm flipping the pages in my Bible to find it. All right, here we go. In Jeremiah 18, uh, it says, This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down at once to the potter's house. There I will, re- I will reveal my words to you. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, working away at the wheel. But the jar that he was making from the clay became flawed in the potter's hands. So he made it into another jar. 
as it seemed right for him to do. The word of the Lord came to me, House of Israel, can I not treat you as this potter treats his clay? This is the Lord's declaration. Just like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, house of Israel. In this moment, this potter's like making this jar. Then all of a sudden, it gets a little crack in it, just like us. We fall, we falter, we fall into our sin, our flesh wins, and the jar becomes useless, essentially. What good is a jar if it can't hold water? And the whole thing crumbles. But what does he do? He takes those broken pieces, and he sees what could become out of those broken pieces. And he begins to spin the wheel again, and he adds the water back to it, and the clay comes back to life, and he builds another jar as seems fit for him to do, is what the Scripture says. So when your life feels super broken, and you've got nowhere to turn, and you're at the end of your rope, just know that those broken pieces, Jesus offers redemption through his blood. And that redemption is going to take you and put you back together as best fit to him. Like, as he sees it best, he's going to put you back together. That's a hard thing to submit to as well. Because we want, like, we want to be broken, and we want to say, oh, yeah, Lord, break me, make me, mold me, like the typical Christian cliches. But there's always, like, an asterisk there. And it's like, God, I'm going to be broken, but I really want you to put me back together like this. I really want you to mend this part of me, um, but I want it to be with this person by my side. Or I really want to hold on to this thing, but I still am broken and need you to put me back together. That's not the point of the passage. And that's a hard thing to come to terms with is like, all right, when you're broken, going back to the submission thing, when you're broken and God puts you back together, it doesn't say... The passage in Jeremiah does not say, the jar he was making from the clay became flawed in the potter's hand, so he made it into another jar as it seemed right for the clay. (laughs) Or it doesn't say as it seemed right for um, that guy over there watching, or it seemed right to uh, that friend that I keep holding on to that I know is toxic, or it doesn't seem right, or as it seems right to uh, this person that I'm really trying to fit in with. No. It's as it seemed right for him to do. The potter, the maker, the master, the guy who put it all together. You got to put it back in his hands and let him rebuild it. Because if you don't, then you're not really being made whole. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the whole point of scripture, right? Like front to back, cover to cover. That's the story that we tell is yeah. redemption. Yeah, And that those pieces have to be put back together and made whole from the very, very start. Any thoughts um, on that as I kind of flip through and find some closing words here? I mean, I don't know. I think uh, I think you hit it on the nail. I, I don't think that the pot gets to say, uh, hey, when you remake me, make me the sa- exact same shape. Yeah, you know? true. It, it doesn't get to say that. The The maker gets to make it in whatever shape it, it he, he desires. So I, I don't know. I think that's a good... Of course, it's a good analogy because it's straight from the word. Yeah, yeah there's never going to be a better analogy than that. But um, no, I think I think you hit it right on the nail. I think this whole 
thing was laid out perfectly. Your brokenness, the submission, it's what you need to realize that you need Christ in your life. Not just if you're a first-time believer in becoming saved, but also if you're a long-time believer and you know, we all feel brokenness. Mm-hmm. You're going to be broken even if you're you know, have been a Christian all your, all your life. And you need to submit. You need to feel broken and know you're broken and give your life up. Yeah, I think that um, this is the picture. This is the picture of redemption. And we often see people run after redemption when they've never met Jesus personally before. But I would challenge you, if you're a believer and you have met Jesus before, chase redemption anyways. Because at the end of it, you need redemption all the time. Like, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I need to be reminded every day that my sin has been paid for. That debt that I had has been cleared. I I put it on my body permanently. I see it every single day. That word redeemed, I have to be reminded of that all the time. Because if I'm not, I'm going to wind up depending on myself and thinking that I can do it, and I can't. I know I can't do it which is the series we did before the end of me mm-hmm. is I can't do it. And it all kind of ties together. That's how we were. We tied all this in together. And it's super cool. Um, Isaiah 53 verse five. I'll leave you guys with this. Isaiah 53 verse five um, says, but he was wounded for the wrong that we did. He was crushed for the evil. We did the punishment, which made us well was given to him and we are healed because of his wounds. At the end of the day, God takes your brokenness and puts it back together because he wants to see his people redeemed. That shows us our brokenness in in light of the cross, in light of the blood that was spilled for our sins, and it's an offer. It's an offer to have our broken pieces mended and put back together. And it's only after we've been broken. It's only after we've realized that we're broken that we can be put back together. That's the paradox in the whole thing, that we have to realize that we're broken to inherit the kingdom of God. What do you think our responsibility is in this whole thing, as believers or as non-believers? What do you think the responsibility of human beings is in this whole, blessed are the poor in the spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven? What's our responsibility in this whole thing? I think it is to repent and acknowledge our desperate need for God. Uh we we went over the whole thing earlier. Poor in spirit means that we are we are broken, and we uh, we need to acknowledge that. You just said you just said that's the paradox. That's the whole thing mm-hmm. is is to know that you're broken to have a chance at being put back together. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think you hit it on the head. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's perfect, man. Our responsibility is to realize that we're broken. And when we realize that we're broken, to run to the one thing that can put us back together, and that's the power of Jesus. Man, I hope this was um, I hope this was encouraging for you guys. I hope that this was uh, a blessing to you. Um, I hope that this kind of brings up some thoughts. Maybe if you were in the outlet when we did this, uh, brings up some thoughts that maybe you had that day. Maybe reminds you of a commitment that you made or something. Um, if so, that's really cool. Um, if you're hearing this for the first time, I hope that. I hope that you experience and realize 
just how broken you are. And I hope that begins to make change in your life every single day. That's what this is about. So um, be encouraged that the redemptive power of Jesus is so real, um, and we need it every single day. And he's willing and ready to offer it. That's uh, pretty sweet. You know, I just realized um, both of us are rocking like the beard stash kind of. <laughs> yeah. So I think we just need to rename this from plugged in podcast to beard stash. Yeah, you think? Yeah, I yeah. think it'd be sick. Okay. I think that's a great idea. All right. Kelsey, get us a logo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come on. That would be so hey, awesome, hey, man. Cool. I think it'd be cool. Maybe we'll start a side podcast talking about completely random yeah. things and call it beard stash. Something, yeah. That'd be sweet. Hey. If it happens, you got to hear it first. <laughs> Sneak peek, man. Yep. All right. Well, um, hey, big things coming. Uh, podcast is going to keep rolling uh, as much as we can possibly keep it rolling. So, yep. um, man, thanks to you guys. Make sure you share this with your friends. Um, post it on your social media. We'll send out the link and everything. Um, and uh, make sure that you guys share it. Uh, I don't know what else you do with podcasts, man. We we haven't done this in a while. Yeah, for real. What are, um, tell somebody about it. Word of mouth. That's cool. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> sure. All right. Well, um, we'll see you guys on the next one. Uh, I feel we like love Daniel, you. you'll make a QR code for it. Yeah. QR code it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> QR code with a link to our podcast yeah. right here. There We're going to put it up on the screen every Sunday night. There we go. That's actually not a bad idea. Oh, no. Too bad none of the kids have their phones on Sunday night. That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Oh, my gosh, man. All right. Well, uh, we're going to go ahead and close it off. Uh, We love you guys. Jesus loves you. And uh, I reckon we'll see you on the next one. Yep. All right. Peace. Peace.